please flip to, turn to, scroll to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. If you're wondering where 1 Corinthians is, it's in the second half of your Bible called the New Testament. We're going to be looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We're not going to end there. We're certainly going to start there. But today we are starting a brand new series here at Thrive. Maybe this is the reason you came to church this morning. Maybe you saw an ad on Facebook or maybe a friend invited you. We are so glad that you're here for the beginning of this very, very important series we're doing on relationships. This series is called Known and Loved. Everyone say Known and Loved. And it's because we believe that every single one of us was made to be known and loved. That every single one of us longs for relationships where we are known and loved. But the the sad reality is that for many of us, when we look at the relationships we're in right now, maybe some of what are supposed to be the closest relationships in our lives, sometimes the last thing we feel is loved. Sometimes the last thing we feel is known. Why is that? We're going to be talking about that over these next several weeks together in this very special series we've called Known and Loved. And as part of this series, I want to encourage you, especially since we're talking about relationships in these next several weeks, I want to encourage you to be part of a small group. Everyone say small group. What is a small group? A small group is a group of people, anywhere between 5 to 12 people uh, in a group that meet together during the week where you meet together, you hang out, uh, and you talk about what you learned in the sermon on Sunday. And so if this is something that you are really interested in, if you're interested in taking your relationships to the next level, then we want to encourage you, don't just come on Sunday, but go to small group as well. Go and join a small group if you're already part of one. If you're not part of one, you can sign up for one at mythrive.info. We've got age-appropriate groups for every single person, and we'd love to see you in a small group. Give your neighbor a high five and say, I hope to see you in a small group. If you want to take your learning to the next level on this series, I want to encourage you definitely to be part of a small group. You can sign up for one at mythrive.info in case you don't have one yet. But it is so great to have you all here. It is so great and so exciting to start a brand new series with you. Are you ready for this series called Known and Loved? Let's go right into it today. See, today the message I'm here to share with you to kick off our series is called The Priority of Relationships. The Priority of of relationships. Let me ask you a question this morning. When you were growing up in your home, were there certain family traditions that your family tried to pay respect to or to honor? Uh, maybe it was once a year, maybe it was every week. Growing up, was there some kind of family tradition for you? You know, in my family, I had my, my, my mom, my dad, my younger sister, who's three years younger than me. And growing up in Vancouver, we had a family tradition, which is when I was about nine years old to about 12 years old, every Thursday night, we would go somewhere. We would go to Lansdowne Mall. That's right. I'm not sure why, but we went to Lansdowne Mall every single Thursday. Back then, you know, this back in the 80s, Lansdowne Mall was just a couple blocks away from here. Didn't have the big box stores like Best Buy and Winners, no TNT supermarket, no Toys R Us. You might be like, so why would people even go there? Well, we went there. We did. We went there, and we spent, I guess, family time there on Thursday nights. And I remember my, my sister and I, we always had this game that we would play. Our goal was always to see how long my mom and dad would hold hands in public. That was our goal. And so what we do is my dad would often hold my hand. My mom would often hold my, 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 my sister's hand. And, and we'd be lo- kind of walking in two separate pairs. And our goal was to see if we can get my dad and my mom to hold hands together. And so very stealthily, very secretly, very subtly, we'd kind of, my sister would try to bring my mom over to where my dad was. I would try to bring my dad to where my mom was. And very stealthily, we'd try to put their hands together. And we'd look and we'd see if they're holding hands. We'd be like, yeah, they're holding hands. And we'd just see just how long it would last. Usually it last no more than five seconds. 
and they'd kind of go their separate ways. And I'm not sure why. I'm not sure it was because my parents didn't like public displays of affection PDA. I'm not sure if it's because, uh, you know, they just don't like holding hands. I'm not really too sure. But when I think about that memory, it's a reminder for me that even at a young age, kids instinctively know that relationships matter. Kids instinctively, intuitively know that relationships are important. We're talking today about the priority of relationships. And maybe you're here today, and you're wondering, why is this important? Why are we talking so much about relationships over the next several weeks? Let me give you three reasons why. Let's look at three reasons why relationships matter. You can write this down. Take some good notes in this place this morning. Number one is this. You can write this down. Nothing affects our health and happiness more than the quality of our relationships. So you can have all the money in the world. You can have all the fame in the world. You can have all the good looks in the world. You can have all the so-called friends on social media or followers in the world. But if you don't have close relationships with people where you are known and loved, life will still feel very empty. Nothing gives us more joy than our relationships. Unfortunately, nothing also gives us more pain than our relationships. When relationships are going well, it's the closest thing to heaven on earth. But I think you've probably felt it too, but that when relationships are not going well, it can feel like a living hell. And I find that when when it comes to a relationship that I care about that's not going well, I find that the stress that that causes is different from normal work stress or different from stress from school or stress from, you know, you know, whatever other issue I might be dealing with in life. For some reason, relationship stress is on another level. And it can be summer outside. The sun could be shining. There might not be a cloud in the sky. But when relationships are knowing, not going well, it's like you don't even notice it. You can't enjoy your life. That's how much relationships affect us. If I'm making sense in this place, say amen. Amen. And see, in fact, more and more studies are showing that when your relationships are not going well, not only does it take a toll on you emotionally, but it actually takes a toll on you physically as well. There was a study by the University of Michigan which studied marriages and married couples uh, you know, all throughout the state of Michigan. They found this. Is they found that unhappy marriages can increase your chances of getting sick by 35%. And not just that, but they said that an unhappy marriage can even shorten your lifespan by an average of four to eight years. Unfortunately, uh, if you think divorce is the option or is the way to go, divorce kind of tends to do even more of that, they, they found. Other studies found that when relationships aren't going well, whether it's a marriage or it's a parent-child relationship or it's a work relationship, that we become more susceptible to high blood pressure, heart disease, hypertension, a weakened immune system, anxiety, depression, violent behavior, and suicide. See, in other words, you can be super health conscious. You might go to the gym every single day. You might eat only healthy foods. You might be, you know, pounding in the probiotics and the multivitamins every single day. But if your relationships are not healthy, you can still be very unhealthy despite all the exercise that you do. See, it's not just the two people in the relationship that are impacted when things aren't going well, but it's also if you're married in this place, Uh, and you've got kids, you'll know that your kids are also very impacted when your relationship with your spouse is not going well. There's a guy called Dr. John Gottman. He's known as one of America's foremost relationship experts. He takes a very scientific approach towards studying marriages. Over the past 40 years, Dr. Gottman, he's studied over 3,000 couples as well as their kids. And Gottman, Dr. Gottman, he's found that babies who are raised in a home where the parents are not happy and often fighting often experience a host of unique problems. One is that their speech develops a lot more slowly. Their potty training develops more slowly. 
their ability to focus their attention develops more slowly. Their ability to self-soothe, that's kind of to calm themselves down, is developing more slowly. They find that you know kids who grow up in, 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 in homes where there's a lot of fighting, especially babies, that they've got chronically higher levels of stress hormones in their bodies. Their high blood pressure is higher than most. Uh, they tend to withdraw from their parents more. They find it harder to attach to their family emotionally. They're, greater risk of, they're, they're at greater risk of becoming more depressed, getting sick, and that overall their intellectual and emotional development suffer when the parents are not happy. Wow. And see, they, he, Dr. Gottman just, didn't just look at babies and infants, but he looked at teenagers who grew up in homes where the parents are not doing well, where their relationship is not good. And they compared it to teens who would say, yeah, I come from a happy, healthy home. They compared the two groups, and they found that those who came from a, a family where there's a lot of infighting, with a lot of stress and a lot of tension, they found that those kids, those teens, are more prone to depression, skipping school, aggressive behavior, low academic achievement, and sensitivity to rejection by their peers. And after doing all these studies, Dr. Gottman, he came to this conclusion. He wrote, the greatest gift a married couple can give their baby, their kid, is a loving relationship between one another. Because that relationship nourishes the baby's development. The stronger the connection between the parents, the healthier the child can grow, both emotionally and intellectually, because children cannot thrive in stormy seas. In other words, what's he saying? He's saying that what a child needs more than anything else is to see his or her parents in a healthy relationship where they are known and loved. If you believe that, say amen. And see, whether you're single in this place or you're married in this place, whether you're old or you're young, nothing affects our health and our happiness quite like the quality of our relationships. That's point number one. Point number two, why do relationships matter? Number two is this, nothing affects our success in life more than how we handle our relationships. Teddy Roosevelt, he's considered by many to be one of the greatest U.S. presidents in history. He was once asked, what is the secret to success? And his response when asked, what is the secret to success? He replied, the most important single ingredient to the formula of success is knowing how to get along with people. It's not how much you know. It's about how you get along with people. There's another guy called John D. Rockefeller. He was at one time the richest man in the world. Uh, at one time, the equivalent of you know, Bill Gates at one time. He was asked, what's the most important quality you look for when you decide to hire or promote someone in one of your companies? He said, I will pay more for the ability to deal with people than any other ability under the sun. You see, people, for some reason, business leaders, politicians, great leaders of the past, put such a high, high premium on the ability to do well in relationships. And the fact is this, 2,000 years ago, before Teddy Roosevelt or John D. Rockefeller said these things, the Bible was saying something very similar. Look with me at 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 to 3 and verse 13. Would you read it with me in a big, loud voice? What does it say? It says, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have the faith that can move mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames but have not love, I gain nothing. Verse 13 says, Now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. In other words, how you treat people, how well you love people, how well you handle relationships is more important to your success and my success than how smart we are, how talented we think we are, how much experience we think we have, or what background we come from. It's your EQ, your emotional intelligence, how you treat people, how you handle relationships that determines your success far more than your IQ. If you believe that, say amen. 
So very important. Number three, third reason why relationships matter so much, you can write this down, is this. Nothing we do is more important to God than how we manage our relationships. See, once Jesus, he was asked a very interesting question. He was asked, you know, what is the most important commandment in the Bible? That's what he was asked. There's so many commandments in the Bible. What's the most important one, Jesus was asked. And this is how he replied. Look at Matthew chapter 22, verses 36 to 40. Would you read it with me in a big, loud voice? One, two, three, it says, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on the these two commandments. What's Jesus saying? When he's asked, what's the most important commandment, the greatest commandment in the Bible, Jesus identifies two. He says, love God with all your heart, and second is love your neighbor as yourself. It all boils down to relationships. He says, all the law and the prophets, now there's all of the word of God, all of it hangs on these two commandments, love God, love people. And ultimately, at the end of the day, that's the reason why we are here on this earth. It's for relationships. It's to love God and know God. It's to love people and to know people. That is God's greatest command for your life. In other words, your main objective on this earth, your reason for being alive with breath in your lungs today is not to make money. It's not to have a lot of fun and to have a lot of pleasure and, and, and it's a, you know, to be a big famous star. The, the big reason why God placed you on this earth is for relationships. It's to know God and to love God. It's to know people and to love people. Relationships were never meant to be the side mission of your life, kind of the side order of fries to the, the burger that is your career or the side of fries to the burger that is your own status, your own happiness. Relationships were always meant to be part and parcel of the reason why you and I exist on this earth. And if you succeed at making a lot of money, you succeed at getting a lot of grades, you succeed at you know, becoming famous, but you fail at relationships, in God's eyes, you miss the point of your life. It's because nothing we do is more important to God than how we manage our relationships. And so since your relationships, or since your happiness depends on your relationships, since your health depends on your relationships, since your success depends on your relationships, since your mission in life depends on your relationships, that's why we're looking at relationships over the next several weeks. It's in a series that we've called Known and Loved. And in this series, we're looking at nine keys to better relationships. And I want to begin by introducing the first key to all of you by looking at a very important verse in the Bible. It's from 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8. I encourage you not just to look at it on the screen, but if you can, in your own Bibles, would you flip to that, scroll to that, turn to that, because there's something I want, you, I want you to underline this morning. Would you look at 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8, and would you read with me in a big, loud voice what it says? It says, above all, love each other deeply, because love covers over a multitude of of sins. It says, above all, love each other deeply. And see, I want you to underline those two very important words, above all. Above all. See, above all means more than anything else. Above all means your number one priority. Above all means the number one top thing you want to focus on. Above all, love each other deeply. And that brings us to key number one of better, to better relationships. And you write this down. It's what we're focusing on today. Key number one to better relationships is this. Prioritize your relationships. Prioritize your relationships. See, what does it mean to prioritize relationships? To prioritize your relationships means to treat it as important. 
to treat it as something of value, to treat it as a priority in your life. And see, you will find that the happiness and health of any relationship in your life today is directly related to how much you call it a priority in your life. You know, maybe there's a relationship today where it's not going as well as you'd like it to go. Think about that relationship right now, and let me ask you this question. Could it be, some people say, oh, why is that not going well? Why is that relationship not going well? Is it maybe that we're just not compatible? Maybe we just don't have chemistry. Maybe it's just a function of circumstance. I'm going to put it to you today that maybe, just maybe, the reason why that relationship you care about so much is not going so well despite how much you care is not necessarily because of a lack of chemistry. It's not necessarily a question of compatibility. It's not necessarily a matter of circumstance. But could it be, could it be a question of priorities? See, today we're going to talk about how to prioritize relationships. There are so many ways we can prioritize relationships, but I want to focus on three that I'm trying to do that I hope is going to encourage you to do as well. We're going to look at three ways that you can prioritize your relationships and go on to what are hopefully happier, healthier, better relationships in your life. Would you write the first one down? The first one is this. Speak the other person's love language. Speak the other person's love language. You know, for 50 years, there was a guy called Gary Chapman. Dr. Gary Chapman, he served as a marriage counselor and as a pastor. He still does to this day. Dr. Chapman was noticing after so many decades of counseling couples that very often the couples would voice very similar complaints about one another. No matter whether what background they came from, what economic status they had, no matter what country they came from, they, they all seem to have very similar complaints. Oh, my spouse doesn't love me. Or my sp- I don't feel loved by my spouse. And, and, and he looked at all of his notes over the like, several decades that he's been doing marriage counseling. And he realized something. Is that when someone said, I feel like my spouse doesn't love me, that very often when you ask them, so what do you want? What they wanted often fell into five categories. And he calls these five categories the five love languages. This idea has since taken by storm the business world. You can apply it not just to marriages, but to kids and parent relationships. It's applied to schools nowadays. It's a best-selling idea that, that, uh, that Dr. Gary Chapman has written about. And it's this idea that each person, every single one of us, we speak a certain love language. Is that we give and receive love through a certain language. And when someone else speaks to us in that same language, that's when we feel known and loved. That's when we feel like I'm understood. That's when I especially feel I'm cared for. That's when we feel like, oh man, this relationship really matters to that person. That's when we can go on to better communication. That's when we can go on to have increased understanding about one another. That's when we can go on to an improved relationship. And these five love languages are, are, are the following, and you can write these down. The first one, and I'm, I'm going to ask you to go through this with me, and I want to ask you, which one is your dominant love language? Of these five, we're go through all five. And you might relate to all five in some way, but which is the major one for you? Which one's the big one for you? We're going to ask you guys in just a bit what that, what that is. The, the, the first one is words of affirmation. Words of affirmation. It's that you love receiving cards, notes, texts going, hey, you're awesome. You know, hey, you, know, you did a great job. Hey, you know, that was amazing. You did really, really well. And, and, and when people speak an affirming word to you, that for you means more than anything else. You, you, for you, when you get a Christmas card and a gift, the card means more to you than the gift. 
That, that's you. That you're, 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 the words that people speak, it, it just really impact you because you're a guy or a girl who loves words of affirmation. Is that you? Well, that's the first one. The second one is acts of service, is that you feel the most known and the most loved when someone goes out of their way to do something for you. Your favorite words that you love to hear is, can I help? Or let me help you with that. And whether it's washing your car or doing your dishes or helping you with a project, for you, you feel the most loved and the most known when someone goes out of their way to help you with something. Is that you? That's acts of service. You know, for you, you find that the, 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 like the, the essence of sexiness is when your spouse helps you out by changing a light bulb. You think, oh, that's so sexy, right? That's, that's, that's acts of service. You know, number three, gifts. Gifts is where this, this doesn't mean you're, 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 you're materialistic. That doesn't mean that you're really, you know, just really greedy. But what it means is this, is that you love receiving gifts because of what the gift represents, for you, gifts are not just gifts. Gifts are symbols of a person's love. Gifts are how someone feels about you. And so you really appreciate it. When someone, maybe for your birthday or maybe for an anniversary, they go out of their way to give you a thoughtful gift. They put care, they put effort into it. You're like, oh, your heart just melts at the sight of that gift. But on the other hand, when someone forgets an anniversary... Or maybe they miss your birthday, or they give you a gift, but it's kind of a thoughtless gift. You're, you feel especially hurt. Is that you? Is that you? Then maybe you're a gifts person. Number four is physical touch. Is that for you, you love hugs, you love pats on the back, thoughtful touches are especially meaning to you. And, and even more than an affirming word, even more than an act of service, even more than a gift, for you, what means the most is when someone can just give you a hug. For you, that's just what makes you feel the most loved. If that's you, then you're a physical touch person. Number five is quality time. Is that you feel the most loved when someone just spends time with you. You feel the most loved when you're not necessarily doing anything that dramatic or anything that extraordinary, but you're spending time together, and that extended time together for some reason just fills up your love tank. See, those are the five love languages. And my question for you is this, is which one is your dominant love language? See, Dr. Chapman would say that we need all five in a relationship, that a healthy relationship will in some way involve all five. But that said, we all have one that most easily touches our heart. We all have one that most easily and most quickly speaks to us the most. And so my question is, which one is your dominant love language? I'm going to ask you to do this. I'm going I'm to call out each language. And I want you to just, 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 just from either a show of hands or from a shout, I want you to tell me that's your dominant love language. Is that, is that okay? Are you guys ready? Okay. All right. All right. Here. So, so, so those of you who are all about words of affirmation, let me hear from you right now. Words of affirmation. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. All right, all right. I should have maybe used more words to help you with that, but that words of affirmation. Number one is acts of service. Who's into acts of service here? Okay, all right, okay. How about gifts? Who's into gifts? Okay, wow, all right. How about physical touch? That's always a bit of an awkward one to ask about, but that, that, the fact is that's great. That's, that's, that's fantastic. Number, number five, quality time. Okay, okay. I'm not sure if it's the same people shouting. Or it's just kind of even across the board. But the fact is, you have a love language, and so do I. And this is the thing. A lot of us, we have this tendency to give the way we want to receive. And so, you know, if we are people who love words of affirmation, we tend to give a lot of words of affirmation. If we're someone who loves to be touched, we love physical touch, we love to give hugs to other people. But the thing is this, is when it comes to prioritizing your relationships, when it comes to loving the people in your life, well, you got to understand something, is that not everyone is the same as you. That every person is wired a little bit differently. And so if you're a big hockey fan, 
and your girlfriend is not a hockey fan, and you decide that for your anniversary, you're going to give her two rink-side tickets to see a Canucks game, don't be surprised if she's not bawling her eyes out, going, oh, how did you know? Oh, I'm so touched. Because the fact is you're not speaking her love language. You're speaking your own love language, right? And, and, and you'll be like, oh, well, you take me. And, and, and the fact is this, is that we need to learn to speak each other's love language. You may be, well, but JB, doesn't the Bible say love your neighbor as yourself? Well, the thing is this. It says love your neighbor as yourself, but it doesn't say, don't, it doesn't say be stupid, right? See, a, a big part of loving others, a big part of loving others well is discerning their language of love and speaking that language of love. Philippians 1, 9 and 10 says it this way. Would you read with me a big, loud voice? It says this. It says, And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless until the day of Christ. That might sound a little long to you, but if you have it in your Bibles, and that's why I encourage you to flip to it yourself, I want you to underline a couple things here. It says, And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in, underline it, in knowledge and depth depth of insight. And then verse 10 says, so that you may be able to, and underline this, discern what is best. Everyone say knowledge. Everyone say insight. And everyone say discern what is best. See, see what, what is Paul saying here? He's saying that he wants Christians everywhere to grow in the way they love. And grow in what way? Not just in terms of your feelings for people or your passion for people, but to grow in discernment, to grow in knowledge, to grow in insight so that you can discern how best to love the people in your life. Amen. Amen. See, think of a relationship today that you wish could be improved. Could it be? Could it be that the reason why you aren't feeling so loved right now in that relationship is not because that person is not trying? Could it be that they're just simply not speaking your love language because they don't know it? Or could it be that despite all of your efforts to love and care for that person, that other person still doesn't feel quite understood or known, not because you're not trying, but because you're not speaking their language of love? See, if you don't know the other person's love language, it's time to ask them. Say, hey, which, which one affects you the most? And if they're too shy to tell you, you just try by trial and error. Okay, today I'm going to try words of affirmation. Today I'm going to try, you know, washing their, their car, shining their shoes, and see what happens. Well, I, I'm, no, next, next time I'm going to give them a hug, see what happens. Next time I'm going to, you know, I don't know, I, I, might, uh, I might give them a gift. You know, next time I might spend quality time with them and just find out based on their reaction, what is their love language? Because do, do you know what my love language is? Do you guys any idea? Any idea? Any idea? Mine is called getting my way. That's my love language. Yeah, I love getting my own. I'm kidding. My, 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 my love language, my love language other than getting my own way, which I also love, is um, words of affirmation. That's, that's my big one. And I hate hearing the story. I hate telling the story because I can't believe that it actually happened. In fact, there's that part of me that wonders if all of it is accurate. But I'm going to tell this to you anyways uh, because it demonstrates this whole power of love languages very, very well. See, when Charlene, my lovely wife Charlene, could you give big, Pastor Charlene a big hand this place this morning? When, when, when Charlene and I, when we were dating, Charlene went out of her way. This is very early on in our, in our, in our dating life. Maybe like, what, maybe, maybe two months in, maybe? Two months in, maybe? Maybe more than that? And, 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 and Charlene, she went out of her way to buy me this beautiful, shiny, silvery bracelet. And, uh, you know, she had even had my name engraved on it and something else on, on the other side, a special message for me. And uh, a week later, I, I'm driving, probably wearing the bracelet. And I say to Char, I, I think I even, I even pull over. And I say, Charlene, 
do you love me? And then she says, yeah, I, I do. I, I, of course I do. And then I was like, then why don't I feel loved? Why do I feel loved? And maybe while the, 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 the silver band is like dangling from my head, why don't I feel loved? And she's like, what do you mean I don't feel loved? Haven't I gone out of my way to give you this gift? Don't you like it? And I'm like, well, that's not my love language. I need your words of affirmation more than anything else. And you know what? That posed uh, a challenge for Charlene because, number one, she's like, should I really go ahead and marry some immature guy like this? Number one. But number two is that knowing my love language, Charlene had a bit of a challenge because she didn't consider herself to be a great encourager. She didn't consider herself to be a natural words kind of person. And so she thought to herself, man, what am I going to do? Because, you know, I, I'm not really a natural at giving words of affirmation, but I somehow have to learn to do it. And, you know, I can tell you this, is that she, uh, you know, over time, just from that day forward, really made it a point, whether it's through cards or through notes uh, or just the, on the phone or what we say to one another, she really, every single day since that time, she has really gone out of her way to be the best encourager in my life. And, uh, yeah, give, give God a big hand. Give Shar a big hand. And, and so, for example, you know, before I preach every Sunday morning, uh, she will always, as I'm going out the door, she'll, say, she'll always say the same four words. She'll, 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 she'll say, you'll be great today. Right? And then at, at, once I'm done preaching, you know, I might be you know, at home and kind of tired, but she'll, she'll always come up to me and find a way to say something encouraging about the message that morning. It's because Charlene is the best encourager in my life. She's the most important encourager in my life. And, and it just, this is because she went out of her way to prioritize loving me with my love language, and thus my tank can be full. Amen? Amen? Can you guess what Charlene's love language is? It's getting her way as well, but I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But the thing is, her, her love language is also not, it, well, it's, it's not words of affirmation. It's quality time. Hers is quality time. Uh, she grew up in a home where her dad was away a lot, and they were kind of, you know, separated in two different countries. Her dad, uh, Charlene's dad, was working uh, in Asia. She was, you know, living with her brother and her mom here in Canada. And so th- because their family wasn't together a lot, for her, the most precious times that she treasured the most were Christmas and, you know, winter breaks, uh, summer breaks, when the whole family could be together again. And they would go on these vacations, just the four of them. They'd spend every waking moment together because they knew the time was precious. And that posed a challenge for me. Because I grew up in a home where we did spend quality time together, but it wasn't every day, all day. When we go on vacations, you know, it was just my wife, not my wife, I'm sorry, uh, my, my, my sister, uh, my, my mom, my dad, we'd go on these vacations growing up as a kid, and, uh, and we'd have time together, but we'd often just kind of go, you know, quick cuddle, and, we, and we'd go and we'd do our own thing, and we'd come back for a meal together. And, and so for me, the idea of, of trying to spend a whole day together or spend, a, like, a long time, quality time together was a bit of a challenge. But because it's important to Shar, I've been learning, and I'm still learning to spend quality time with my wife. Amen. Amen. That's why Mondays are now our date day. It's the time when we spend time together, our quality time together, and we're still working on it. And there's a couple lessons I've learned from that experience. One is this, that you can get better at loving the people in your life. Amen? Love is not just a feeling. Love is a choice. Love is not just a feeling, but love is a skill. And you can actually get better at it with practice and with intention. Tell, tell your neighbor, say, love is a choice. Love is a choice. The second thing I learned is that speaking the other person's love language really makes a difference. 
You know, if if you know Charlene was a quality quality time person, but I kept on you know wanted to wanted to give her physical touch, you know, and all that stuff, it it, it wouldn't be meeting her language of love. And, and so it's just learning to speak that person's language of love. By the way, do you know what God's love language is? Do you know what God's love language is? It's all five. It's all five. And see, because God loves you, and because God sees you as his priority, guess what? The Bible says God used all five languages to love you. For example, words of affirmation. God gave us his word, which is there to encourage us and affirm us and to tell us who we really are, our value in his sight. You know, physical touch. God gave us his Holy Spirit so that we could feel his presence and his touch on our lives. Gifts. God so loved the world that he gave his son the most precious, most expensive gift we could ever ask for, God gave through Jesus Christ. Quality time. Not only did God give us his word, his Holy Spirit, and his son Jesus, he gave all those things to us so that we could have quality time with him so that we could spend a daily relationship with him every single day because he longs to spend time with us. And acts of service, as high and holy as God is, Jesus came as a servant. When our sins separated us from God, when what we deserved for our sin was death and separation from God, God, because he loved us, saw us as his priority. He said, I don't want to be apart from you, so I'm going to send Jesus Christ to serve you, to do what you could not do yourself. Let me help you out on this one. I'm going to die on the cross for your sins. I'm going to live the life that no one in the world could live. Only God in the flesh could live it. And on behalf of us, that's exactly what Jesus did. He served us because we are his priority. If you love God, would you give God a big, big hand here this place together right now? That's how God loves you. He loves you with all five love languages because you are God's priority. Turn your neighbor, give him a high five and say, you are God's priority. You are God's priority. Now it's up to us to respond to God and to make him our priority in return. That's the first thing we can do to prioritize a relationship is speak the other person's love language. Is this helpful in this place so far? Let's keep on going. Number two, put your relationships in the right order. Everyone say the right order. See, it's simply not true that all relationships are equally important. That's not true. It sounds great, but it's not true. Practically speaking, it's impossible to live that way. And here's the thing. We need to learn to prioritize our relationships. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, Jesus says, read it with me. It says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. See, what's Jesus saying? He's talking about priorities. He's saying, above anything else, the number one thing you want to seek first in life is God, what God's about, your relationship with him. And, and that's why I would encourage you, based on this verse, is that you want to know the order of priority in your relationships. See, for me, the order is really simple. God first, and then my wife and kids second, my church third, my extended family and friends fourth, and everyone else fifth. That's how it goes. Let me say it again. God first, my relationship with God goes first, and then there's my wife and kids, that's second. There's my church, that's all of you guys, third. There's my extended family and friends, and there's everybody else. That's how my order goes. And here's the thing is, is that, like, how about you? Do you have an order of priorities? Or is kind of everybody equally important, and then you find yourself kind of running around trying to please everybody and sometimes not being able to please anybody? Who's on first? What's on second? Do you know who's on third? See, here's the thing. Problems that arise when we don't know the order of priorities in our relationships, there's a couple. See, there's a couple things that happen, problems that happen when we don't know the order of our relationships. The first is this, is that it's not on the screen, but you can write this down, is that when our relationships are not in the right order, you're going to find that we treat people that don't mean as much to us better than we treat the people 
who are supposed to mean the most to us. Has that ever happened to you before? Is that you, know, you, you treat the stranger that you've never before so incredibly politely and courteously, and, and you go out of your way to love them, and maybe it's an interview or whatever. You just go out of your way to treat them so well, but then you come home and you treat the person who lives with you uh, like anything but. Has that ever happened to you before? What's happened there? It's because you've forgotten the order of priority. You know, here's another problem, is that when we don't put our relationships in the right order, something else happens, is that we idolize certain relationships at the expense of ignoring other relationships. Let me say that again. When we don't put our relationships in the right order, something happens, is that we idolize, we idolize certain relationships at the expense of ignoring other relationships. And what's the result? All the relationships suffer in the end. See, let me give you a couple examples. And this one, moms and dads with young children can especially, I think, relate to this one. See, moms and dads, if you've got young children, you love your child more than anything. And you love your child. You want your child to have the best. You're constantly thinking about your child. But here's the thing. Moms and dads of young children will often spend all of their time and energy focused on the child. Every waking moment, every waking thought, it's all about the child. And so they leave little, if anything, for the marriage. And yet what we've learned, as we saw earlier, is that what the child needs more than anything else is to see that their parents have a loving relationship. And, see, and, and so as mom and dad keep on focusing on the child and ignoring their own marriage, what happens? The marriage deteriorates, and ironically, baby's health deteriorates. Ironically, baby's happiness deteriorates. Ironically, baby's security deteriorates. What happened? Is it not because, you know, is, is it because of, you know, mom and dad, they don't love each other? No, it's because they have put things in the wrong priority. That mom and dad idolized one relationship, i.e. the baby, and they, ex- they ignored another very important relationship, which is their marriage. And as a result, both relationships suffered. That's what happens when your relationships are in the wrong order. Here's another example. Here's another example. This is a very common one as well. Is that it's when we focus all the energy and time that we have on our horizontal relationships with people, and we ignore our relationship with God. We focus all on the horizontal, and we forget about the vertical. And, you know, what happens there is that when we focus all on the horizontal, we leave no time, no space for the vertical, what ends up happening? We start to look to people to satisfy us in ways that only God can satisfy us. What's going on? Both relationships suffer. Our relationship with God suffers. Our relationship with people suffers. And is it because you don't love people or it's because you don't love God? No, it's because your relationship order is in the wrong priority. Does that make sense in this place? And see, in other words, you allow the girl to become more important than God, and now both relationships suck. In other words, that's, that's, how, that's how it happens. And could it be today that the reason why that relationship you care about so much is not in a good place, it's not happy, it's not healthy, it's not because you don't care, it's simply because you've been managing your relationships in the wrong order. You've been ignoring something else that's much, much more important in the process. And the flip side is also true, is that when you put your relationships in the right order, when you seek first the kingdom of God, all other things are added unto you. When you seek first God, your relationship with him, not only does your relationship with God benefit, but somehow, amazingly, your other relationships benefit so much as well. Your marriage will benefit. Your kids will benefit. Your friendships will benefit. They become happier. They become healthier over the long haul. And it's because your relationship with God is the most important relationship you've got. 
Your relationship with God is the power source for all other relationships in your life. When you seek God first and you protect your relationship with God, God will give you wisdom and ability to be a better spouse. God will give you wisdom and ability to be a better parent. God will be, give you wisdom and ability to be a better friend. And so protect your relationship with God more than anything else. If I'm making sense in this place, say amen. Amen. Number three, and we're going to close this morning. Number three, if you want to learn to prioritize your relationships, number three is this. Schedule and protect regular time for your, impo- your most important relationships. Schedule and protect regular time. You know, when I look back at all the closest, strongest relationships I have now and or have ever had in my life, whether it's with family or it's with friends, with my church, with people I've worked with, with God, I find that there's a very obvious common thread that runs through all those great relationships. You know what it is? It's that there was a commitment to meet regularly at set times. And whether it was you know, once a week or it was once a month or it was once a year, in each of these relationships that were good, that were healthy, that were strong, that were generally happy, that we would together decide ahead of time that there's going to be a time in the week or there's going to be a time in the month or there's going to be a time in the year which is going to be our time together. And we would protect it. We would schedule it. And we'd build our lives around it. And we'd build our relationship on it. And see, in a way, you could almost say that the relationship didn't really become strong and might not even be, became really truly that important until we decided we're going to schedule the time for it and protect it. You know, for example, my relationship with God, which we said, you know, is the first and most important relationship that you have. You know, at first it began with, you know, when I was in high school, you know, 15 minutes before bedtime, maybe do a little, you know, Bible reading or a little prayer. And then after that became 15 minutes after school. And then first thing in the morning for 15 minutes, or then it became, became half an hour, you know, at night, or then an hour in the morning. Seasons would change, but there was always a part of my day, which is, you know, this is me and God time. This is my God and me experience time. And that's how I grew my relationship with God. In my relationship with Charlene, same thing. We have a set time each week, which is our date day. It's our date night. And with two kids and a growing church, is it kind of tough to have date day sometimes? Sometimes it's a challenge to find it, but we make it a point to do so because we're important to one another. Amen. You know, in my relationship with Bradley, my older son, he's six years old, seven years old, we have a set time each week that Bradley calls Daddy Day. I just found out this past week, he actually calls it Daddy Day. It's the day when I'll go to school early to pick him up, and we will have just about one hour to do whatever we want before we go home. And for him, he treasures that time. His language of love is quality time, and we treasure that time together. The other one is video game day, which is uh, Saturdays. And he treasures that time possibly even more because he loves video games too. But that's scheduling set time. With my relationship with Caleb, who's my younger son, he's nine months old, we also have a set time. I don't know if he knows it. He probably doesn't know it, but I know it. Is that, you know, in the, in, in the early morning or at certain times of the day, I will make it a point to be home so that I could spend that time with him because that's how our relationship grows. You know, growing up in high school, I, I would see that there's a lot of my friends who didn't have very close relationships with their family. And I was, I was really blessed because I thought I had a really good relationship with my family. And I wondered, why is that? Why, why is there that difference? And one time, one, one day I realized that I knew what the difference was. See, every Sunday noontime, I found that my friends, they would all go off and they'd hang out with themselves and, and do whatever they want with, whatever they, who, with whoever they want. Whereas my family, we always set aside Sunday 1 o'clock for our time together to have lunch. And we always went to the same place. We went to Shanghai Palace on Granville Street. 
always the same place. And we'd order the same dishes. We'd order soy sauce chicken. We'd order fried rice. We'd order shalom bal. We'd order all these things. And, and we'd order the same thing. But for us, it was something we looked forward to. Because it was the one time in the week when all of us were together. And my mom, that was her most precious memory growing up. Because her, her, her uh, you know, love language is also quality time. And see, both my sister and I, we both have families of our own now. We both have kids of our own now. But even to this day, Sunday afternoons is still a precious time for our extended family now, where we spend time. We take the, our kids, the grandkids now, to see our parents who are now the grandparents, and they'll spend that time Sunday afternoon. It's one of their favorite times together. And why is it? It's because when it's a relationship is important enough to you, you will set aside time regularly and protect it. Amen? Amen? Don't just set it and then scratch it. Set it and protect it. With my family, there, there's, a, there's a set time for all of us to be together. It's called having dinner every night. Uh, once or twice a year, we'll go on vacation. That's our time together. In my relationship with our church staff, we've got set times when we meet together, and we try to do our best to be there together because that's our time together. Small group leaders, we do that same thing. You know, People that I work with, same thing. In my relationship with the church, with us together this way, we have a set time. When is it? It's 9.30 and 11.30 on Sundays. Right? And there's our small groups, and there's our midweek prayer meetings. These are things that we schedule, and we protect it. We say, you know what? Nothing else is going to get in the way of it. I don't care unless it's a life or death emergency. You're going to find me here because this relationship is important to me. Amen. Amen. And see, there are set times, and these are in addition to whatever chance encounters we have during the week or during the month or during the year. It's not about being legalistic. It's about protecting the relationship. When you schedule a set time to be together, and you protect that set time, and you don't let lesser things get in the way, you're going to find that a few things take place in that relationship. First, as you write this down, is that when you schedule a set time to be together, you honor the people in that relationship. You're saying, you're important to me. You're important enough to me that I'm just, I, I want to meet with you regularly and I want to protect the time that we have together. I'm going to carve out time in my day and time in my schedule, time in my week, time in the month so that we can be together. I don't take you for granted. Second is this, is when you schedule a set time to be together and you protect it, you give the relationship time and space to grow. Is that the relationship inevitably gets closer. You know, did, did we set aside regular time together because the relationship was strong and close? No, it's actually the opposite. Is that the relationship became strong and close because we set aside time together. Amen. Maybe you're complaining, oh, I don't feel close to God. Oh, I, don't, I just don't feel anything. Or, or I, 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 don't, I don't feel anything with my spouse. Or I don't feel anything with my family. I don't feel anything with my friend. I don't feel anything with my church, with my small group. Let me ask you this question is this. Do you prioritize time? with those people? Do you set aside and protect time with them? Or do you just kind of see how the wind blows and see how you feel? You know, another one is, you know, do you protect those times after you settle them? Is it, if, 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 if your answer to either one of these questions is no, then no wonder you don't feel anything. No wonder the relationship's not strong because you're not protecting the relationship. Amen. Amen. It's about setting set times and protecting it. Finally, when you set regular times to be together and you protect it, guess what? Life gets simpler. Life becomes simpler because you have a system now. 
You're not just wasting time trying to think all over again about, oh, when are we going to meet? When are we going to do this? But you've got a system. You've got something in place where you don't have to think about it anymore. You just know, yeah, Sunday morning, I'm going to be in church. Yeah, it's a, or Saturday afternoon, it's my small group time. I don't care if, you know, other things going on. I'm going to be there at small group. Or, you know, I, I'm going to be there for my kid. I'm going to be there for my spouse. It's just, it's just the way it is. It's the system. And when you do that, you don't have to think so much anymore. You don't have to try that hard anymore because all of a sudden, you've got a system that's moving forward with your relationship. If you believe that, say amen. See, it's, it's one thing for you to say, yeah, we're close. Yeah, we're friends. Yeah, you know, we're family. Philosophically, they're important. But if you don't schedule and protect that set time together, if you leave it to, oh, I'll see you when I see you, then you're going to find this, is that days, weeks, months, even years will go by, and you will be missing each other like ships passing in the night. You're going to find that without setting and protecting those set times, the relationship will eventually fade away and become nothing more than just a name only. And see, you can see, oh, yeah, we're family, but we don't see each other. Yeah, we're, we're friends, but we don't ever do anything together. Instead, if it's a relationship that's important to you, schedule set times to be together and honor those people with those set times. Amen? Amen? Write this down. Strong and close relationships don't just happen. You plan for them. You plan for them. Turn your and say, you plan for them. You plan for them. They don't just kind of fall in your lap, and all of a sudden, you got a lifelong, strong, close relationship. No. Those of you who have been friends for, with people for years, even decades, you know it takes work. It takes intentionality. It takes being, you know, making a priority in your life. And so my question for you today is this. When it comes to what should be the most important relationship in your life, how much do you regularly set aside time for those relationships? What is one relationship today that you need to start setting aside time for and protecting regular time for? You will see this modeled in the Bible by Jesus. You know, Jesus didn't just randomly spend time with people, with anybody. Jesus was so careful with how he spent his time. He set aside regular time to be with his father in prayer. He'd go to the Mount of Olives and spend time often withdrawing to lonely places to pray. He, he would set aside regular times to be with his disciples. He went to the synagogue every single week. He went to church every single week, right? He, he, he would sit under the teaching of God's word. He would teach the, uh, under, you know, God's word, and he would do it on a regular basis. And see, Proverbs 21, verse 5 says it this way. Read it with me. It says, good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts lead to poverty. Final question for you today. What if you're, he- what if you're here and you find that you're really making it priority, but the other person is not? Is that you today? You're really trying to go out of your way to speak their language of love. You're really trying to set times to be with them. You're really trying to think, okay, this person's important. You're on my priority list. You're in my order. And, and I, I see you as important, but you don't feel that the same way is coming back to you. You don't feel that that person is doing the same for you. If that's you, then I'm so sorry. I know it's hard. I know it's frustrating. I know it's hurtful. Uh, when that happens, it always is. You, you might feel taken for granted. You might feel like you're not that important to that person. In a way, you might be able to empathize with God because that's how I think God feels sometimes with us, is that he makes us, our, he makes us our priority. We don't always make him our priority. What should you do if that's the case? Well, the short answer, uh, if that's you, is it depends. It depends. It depends on things like, is this a relationship that you're committed to for life? Is it a marriage? Is it a child? Is it a sibling? Is it a parent? If that's the case, then that's going to affect your answer. If it's not a relationship that you're committed to for life, then is it a relationship that's still worth fighting for nonetheless? Still worth working on nonetheless? That's going to affect the answer. Is it an issue that's worth talking about? 
Or is it something where you don't think it's going to be something worth talking about? You just have to make a change yourself. See, those are, I don't have one straight answer for you because it really depends. But those are some questions to keep in mind. And by the way, if, if you find that it's something that you need to talk about with that other person, something that you need to raise and have maybe not so easy of a conversation with them, then I hope you're going to find next week's sermon very, very helpful. We're going to talk next week about how to give and receive feedback in our relationships. We're going to talk about that. We hope you'll come back for that as we talk about what's the healthy way to communicate about the tough stuff in our relationships. What's the unhealthy way and how can we grow? So you've got to remember this. Relationships are always a two-way street. We can't control it all. All we can do is do the best we can with what we have, with, with, with what is in our control. The rest we leave to God. The feelings we leave to God. The uncertainties we leave to God. The stuff we can't control, we leave it to God. Knowing that God is good, that in all things he works for the good of those who love him, and that we can learn many, many lessons in the process on our way to better relationships. Do you receive that? Do you believe that? Come on, give God a big, big hand here in this place together today. Why don't you stand to your feet this morning? Give your neighbor a high five around you, in front of you, beside you. Give him a high five and say, the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come.